This episode concludes a two-part look back as David Simon has graduated from Oxford. Today, how he can use what he learned going forward. Everyone has a dream. And some people's dreams take them to extraordinary places. David Simon is one of those people. Tune in every quarter to learn how a 50-something lawyer from the U.S. navigates the ancient world of Oxford College in pursuit of an MBA. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Somewhat bittersweet today because it appears we may be at the end of a Yank in Oxford. The great podcast series I've been able to do with my friend and colleague, David Simon. David, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Great to be with you. David, I wanted to maybe have one wrap-up act. Uh, episode where you talked about pulling it all together, both the professional experience you had, maybe the personal experience you had, but equally importantly, how can you and we and me and all of us take some of the insights you've been able to gain and maybe look at the practice of law in a different way or maybe even lead to a different model of the delivery of legal services? And I realize that's a big task and maybe we'll get more pods out of it, but I wanted to start there. Yeah. Maybe we can start talking a little bit about just so how this has affected me in my law practice itself, because I think there's two pe- there's maybe multiple pieces, but one piece is just as a practicing lawyer of clients and as a partner in a law firm, how, how is that how has this experience affected that? And, and I think it really actually has in, in some pretty significant ways for me. Probably the biggest change for me is just getting a little bit more comfortable getting out of my lane. And we've talked about this in the past about the myopia typical private practice lawyers have. They get hired to solve a particular problem, defend this lawsuit, get this get this deal done, execute a merger, whatever it is. And the reality of it is all of those are just glimpses of bigger problems. And one of the things this program has really helped me do better is think more broadly about my clients' problems. And maybe just as important, it's just given me confidence to talk about things that I might not have talked about before, right? Like I, I feel I'm an Oxford MBA. I can I can talk about supply chain. I can talk about the business objectives and the strategy that's, that's implicated by this dispute or this investigation or whatever it is. So that's been a really big, to me, maybe the biggest positive of the experience in terms of impacting my current practice. Obviously, and we talked about this in our first podcast, right? For me, the global the global network was a huge part of this. I went into this wanting to expand my network, my friendships. I wanted to meet people from different parts of the world who weren't necessarily lawyers, right? So I wanted to be more connected to business leaders, political leaders, and have those kinds of relationships. And that absolutely that absolutely happened through this. I, I'm so grateful for the people I've met and the friends I've made, and that will that will always be top, um, sort of the top of the the heap in terms of what has been accomplished here. Um, I think there's also just a level of understanding the global economy better uh, from a lot of the sort of Oxford-oriented classes that are much more, you know, global rules of the game. <clears throat> excuse me and systems thinking, right? I, I, I feel like I've really have a better understanding of not just business, but how business works in the world and how the world works. That's been really important. 
And then the last piece on my practice is just understanding business better. I, you know, we talked about this front, the front end. I was a political theory major, went to law school and then was in sort of a litigation oriented practice for most of my career, right? I, I wasn't like thinking through how capital is raised and how capital is allocated and how those decisions are made and strategy and supply chain management and operations management. I find all of that fascinating. I find all of it really important. And now I, now I just feel like I know, I, I know, at least know how to speak the language. I'm not an expert in any of it. That was never the point, I don't think, but I can now speak the language and I can understand things better and provide better advice to my clients. David, I'm next going to ask you about how maybe this affected you personally, but I also wanted to add, um, I believe you started this in your early 50s. I've known you for 10 years or so. I would say my interactions with you, I don't want to say have been technical, but they've been technical topics around either FCPA or compliance. I find you to be very technically competent. You feel like the Oxford MBA program is designed for someone who has that base of technical competence, or could you be a little bit younger and still get out of it what you had simply because you had that base? It's a, it's a really interesting question, Tom. I, I, I think there, I think about this maybe from the perspective of some of my younger friends and colleagues, and I think they got, I think it's incredibly valuable for them, but maybe for slightly different reasons. I think they tend to be they know they they came in knowing more the technical side of business than I did for sure. I think they benefited from some of the the older guys in the cohort and understanding tapping into some of the expertise and networks and perspectives that come with forty plus thirty plus years of professional experience. So for me, having Absolutely, having a technical accomplishment and deep knowledge in in a particular in, in the practice of law and in my particular practice was a huge it was important, and I think it allowed me to contribute more perhaps to the cohort than if I didn't have that. But I think it works both ways. The short answer: I think it works both ways. So, how do we maybe explore a little bit about how this affected you personally, either relationships or? career rejuvenation or some other directions? Yeah. So personally, I talked about this before. I, I do think the, the relationships are the most important part of this. As I get older, I'm, I understand better that relationships are really thing about life in general. And that's for sure number one. And like I said, I'm super grateful for the friendships I've made and the, the expansion of my network has been incredibly valuable. I think personally too, there, there's a, when you get to a certain stage and I don't claim to have mastered my practice, that's the beauty of the practice of law, right? You never, you're always practicing. You never really, you never really master it. There's always something to learn and, and ways to improve, but you do get to a point after a period of time where, you know, you know how the stuff's going to go, right? Like you, you have a, it's easy to get a little intellectually lazy. It's easy to get, it's easy to maybe be a little blinded in your decision-making because you've been through it over and over again, and you have that expertise and you have that talent and that's valuable. But this experience for me is also a little bit of a yanking me out of that complacency a little bit and avoiding maybe some stagnation in my career. I, I, for me, it was, it was 
important to be to shake it up a little bit and do something different and push myself in a different way. And I think it's, I think it's achieved that like what the, how that exactly manifests itself going forward. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think it's done that. The other part of it for me is we talked about this a couple of times. I have, I have three kids who are late teens, early twenties. And when I started this, I had two kids in business school at Creighton university. And it was important to me to send a, teach something to my kids about lifelong learning, about taking chances, about maybe doing something that the case isn't necessarily obvious for why you're doing it, but what's the right thing to do. So I hope that came through. I hope I taught some positive lesson to my kids through doing this experience and, and be willing to like work hard and sacrifice too. That was, was part of the story as well. David, I'm going to practice my cross-examination skills here by asking a question I know the answer to, and I suspect our audience knows uh, the answer to, but in retrospect, would you do this again? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it was um, one of the most consequential, impactful experiences of my, this part of my life. I think it's funny because I, we talked about this a little bit on the all lawyer podcast we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm not sure I knew what I was getting into. I th and I think if I had known fully what I was getting into, I might not <laughs> have done it. I underestimated the amount of work. I underestimated the disruption um, to my practice and to just life in general and my family life. And I, but I'm glad I underestimated it because I, I, I did it and I'm very glad I did it. Why Oxford again? Yeah, for me, and we've touched on this a couple of times already, but for me, Oxford was really the perfect fit. The sort of broader, more macro view of like business within the world is really important to me. I didn't, I don't want to become a financial guru. That's not why I did this. If you wanted to do that, there's probably a better choice than Oxford, than Oxford's EMBA program. For me, that, that like, global rules of the game, systems thinking, focusing on some of these broader economic issues and the, the rules of the world and trade and war and climate change and how all of that affects business and how all of that within business affects real people and their lives. To me, that was really important. The global piece of it, I think Oxford it may not be the most global EMBA program, but it's in the top tier of, of global programs. And the value of that was really important to me. And it delivered on that for sure. We talked about the Vietnam trip. That was amazing. So that piece from Oxford, also important. And then just the place, right? I wanted, I wanted this to be grounded in a place and there's no better place to ground a learning experience than Oxford. And there were frustrating aspects of it melding an executive business program on a 800, 900 year old traditional university structure doesn't always work perfectly, but being able to experience college life and the rowing we talked about and all the college dinners we had, the formal dinners with each module, priceless, priceless. I don't know what I, and I frankly don't know what I'm going to do without Oxford in my life in some way. And I'm trying to figure out some way where I can finagle a invitation back down because <laughs> I already miss it. And I was back in September, but I already miss it. And I'm not sure I want to, I'm not sure I want to, you know, continue without some, some tie to the, to the place. So with, 
How about some of the professors that were really highlights for you, or maybe just even faculty interactions? Yeah, I really, really appreciated the professors. I think I've heard this from some of them. I think they really like teaching the EMBAs because we're lively and opinionated and engaged and have, I, 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 maybe I'm kidding myself, but I think it's a very mutually reinforcing experience where I think they learn from us and we obviously learn from them. I found them with very few exceptions, open, generous with their time, intellectually curious, as you'd expect for a university professor. But it was really valuable and interesting. And I talked about Alan Morrison a couple of times, the former finance professor who became a governance and ethics and quasi-philosophy professor one of my favorites, um, Michael Smets was a strategy and strategic decision-making instructor for us highlight. I met some other people that weren't our instructors that were just so classically Oxford that are worth mentioning. I t- I've talked about Rupert Younger before, who runs the Center for Corporate Reputation at Oxford, who's an amazing, which is an amazing organization for people who are in compliance and kind of reputation management. They're doing great research on organizational reputation, how you protect it, what threatens it, how you restore it. It's a great, it's a great center within the business school, but he's a fascinating guy. He's in addition to doing all that, he's a member of the uh, Royal Company of Archers, which I think is like an ancient society, Scotland based, I believe, but they were, he stood guard during the Queen's funeral. I think they played a big role in the coronation. He was showing me pictures. It was fascinating. Um, I met another professor whose name is Chris McKenna, who teaches um, business history. And he's the, I don't know what his exact title is, but he's like the master of the silver at Brazenose College. So he invited me to have a beer out of, you know, the silver mugs from probably the late 1600s. It's interesting. Brazenose actually had all of its silver borrowed by King Charles I during the English, first English Civil War. They moved to, the Royalists moved to Oxford and they borrowed it. I'm using air quotes. And they still have the IOU from King Charles I to return the silver, which has never been returned. So all their silvers post whatever, 1660, that kind of stuff, right? You just, you're not going to get that at your ordinary business school. And all that made Oxford particularly special. How about, uh, I guess this was, it would be an entire different podcast, but you're in England. You're near what I think is the greatest city in the world, London. Above and beyond that, you were there for an event that has not literally happened in 70 years. You got to experience that. What was that part of your journey like? It's interesting. When we were, I was actually there. I was there for the Queen's funeral. I was in Oxford. I watched it on TV. I, I thought about going, but it was just too much of a hassle. And we were there close to the coronation. It was just to put on like a business hat. It's always amazing to me to watch how something like that can be organized so well. And they're like, they've obviously been preparing for both the Queen's funeral and the coronation for a while. But the logistics of all that and their ability to pull off that pomp and circumstance like nobody else, right? It was impressive in many ways. I enjoyed being a part of it. Let's turn to maybe down the road now and how you're going to think about what your experiences are, what you've learned. And I know we've touched on this both on this podcast and and in our conversations. 
how can we maybe use what you've learned really for the entire practice of law or maybe some little steps that we all could take? Yes, I'm thinking a lot about this and I don't have a clear path forward in mind at this point. Part of me is I'm trying to let it marinate a little bit and it's just been such an intense experience and time-consuming experience. I feel like I need a little bit of space and a little bit of distance to just kind of let it all come together. I think it would be a mistake to try to be too specific too soon. So part of it is I'm thinking about it. I obviously want to use it and how I use it, I don't know. One of the things you mentioned this about law firm management, and I'm really interested. I found probably a third of the papers I wrote, maybe even half, were really about law firms and and applying these concepts to law firms. And I actually started pulling it all together thinking, maybe there's something here. I, I think this notion of professional service, maybe broader than law firms, professional service firm management and bringing modern business theory and practice to how law firms and other professional services firms are managed is something I'm really interested in. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of room for improvement there um, in many ways. And I don't think there's a lot of academic focus on it right now. I don't see business schools or law schools, frankly, publishing a lot on this topic, sponsoring research, developing courses. I think there might be something there that I want to get involved in. I've actually thought about doing some more writing and maybe expanding on some of the observations I've made in these school papers and building that out. I'm talking with a couple of law schools about maybe doing a course for law students that kind of brings together some of the MBA learnings with, with my experience in a law firm to develop more strategic business advisors. One of my concepts and we've talked about this, Tom, I, th- I think technology, AI, generative AI, GPT is really going to disrupt the, the law firm model. And I think the key for junior lawyers is to not be doing the stuff that technology is going to be able to do more effectively. And as it, within the context of business lawyers, I think that really means becoming more of a strategic business advisor and, and solving these broad, broader problems, being more valuable than just the lawyer. And so I'd like to I'd like to spend some time maybe building out a course on that, maybe building out some writing on that, how to, uh, I think I might have a few insights in how to do that better. And I'd like to share them. So with, let me just, uh, strikes me that academia would be a very good place for you to land. Any places maybe in the United States, or if that's something you've seriously considered, what about that direction? Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be able to teach a course as a, just an adjunct in the law school probably next fall is what I'm thinking about. And I think that's going to be a useful exercise for me because teaching the course, preparing a course is a lot of work and it will force me to bring together some of what I've learned from my MBA with some of my insights in terms of how law firms are run and how, how lawyers can become better strategic advisors and build that material out. And I think once I do that, I'll see how it goes, maybe reassess whether I really do have insights or whether this is just obvious. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And then maybe, yeah, maybe something a little bit more. I'm not interested in giving up my law practice. I've actually been really enjoying my practice lately and have some interesting matters. And I love working with my clients, but that might be a supplement. I'd, I'd I'd love to do a little bit more 
teaching. I'd love to be involved in some of the legal executive education at Oxford or somewhere else. If, if I could add value, that would be really appealing. And I'd love to, I'd love to start looking at maybe doing some non-executive board service advisory work for clients, for firms about where I can maybe bring together some of my governance and compliance work with some of my MBA learnings. Uh, I don't know. Those are just, it's all stuff that's kicking around in my brain right now. I don't have any plan and I'm hoping we'll have a little bit more clarity in the next couple of years as I can process all of this and really process the experience. David, I'm almost sad to say, I think we may be at the end of our Oxford phase of your journey. Uh, I know you're going to have new adventures, so perhaps we can uh, visit about those. This uh, series has just been a ton of fun for me. I know it's been very meaningful for you. And I just want to say thank you. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to you, Tom, too. This has been a great opportunity. I've enjoyed it a lot. I've enjoyed talking to you and, and you've asked very insightful questions. It's really been, it's a great, it's been a great for me to reflect as I've been going along, because I got to think about what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to say and fill up a podcast. I really appreciate it. And I've really enjoyed it. And thank you. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Yank in Oxford. I hope you will join us for another episode as we continue David's journey to getting a MBA from the Oxford Executive Education Program. A Yank in Oxford is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.